part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section two from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bilby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale of the times of louis the fourteenth section two before an abandoned woman de brinvilliers became through sainte croix's instrumentality a monster he contrived to induce her to poison successively her own father with whom she was living tending with heartless hypocrisy his declining days and then her two brothers and finally her sister her father out of revenge and the others on account of the rich family inheritance from the histories of several poisoners we have terrible examples how the commission of crimes of this class becomes at last an all-absorbing passion often without any further purpose than the mere vile pleasure of the thing just as chemists make experiments for their own enjoyment have poisoners destroyed persons whose life or death must have been to them a matter of perfect indifference the sudden decease of several poor people in the hotel de sometimes afterwards excited the suspicion that the bread had been poisoned which brinvilliers in order to acquire a reputation for piety and benevolence used to distribute there every week at any rate it is undoubtedly true that she was in the habit of serving the guests whom she invited to her home with poisoned pigeon pie the chevalier de gay and several other persons fell victims to these hellish banquets st croix his confederate la chaussee and brinvilliers were able for a long time to enshroud their horrid deeds behind an impenetrable veil but of what avail is the infamous cunning of reprobate men when the divine power has decreed that punishment shall overtake the guilty here on earth the poisons which st croix prepared were of so subtle a nature that if the powder called by the parisians succession powder were prepared with the face exposed a single inhalation of it might cause instantaneous death st croix therefore when engaged in its manufacture always wore a mask made of fine glass one day just as he was pouring a prepared powder into a phial his mask fell off and inhaling the fine particles of the poison he fell down dead on the spot as he had died without heirs the officers of the law hastened to place his effects under seal amongst them they found a locked box which contained the whole of the infernal arsenal of poisons that the abandoned wretch st croix had had at command they also found brinvilliers letters which left no doubt as to her atrocious crimes she fled to liege into a convent there de grey an officer of the marechaussee was sent after her in the disguise of a monk he arrived at the convent where she had concealed herself and contrived to engage the terrible woman in a love intrigue and finally under the pretext of a secret meeting to entice her out to a lonely garden beyond the precincts of the town directly she arrived at the appointed place she was surrounded by de grey's satellites whilst her monkish lover was suddenly converted into an officer of the marechaussee who compelled her to get into the carriage which stood ready near the garden and surrounded by the police troop she was driven straight off to paris 
la chaussee had been already beheaded somewhat earlier brambilliers suffered the same death after which her body was burned and the ashes scattered to the winds now that the monster who had been able to direct his secret murderous weapons against both friend and foe alike unpunished was out of the world the parisians breathed freely once more but it soon became known abroad that the villain saint croix's abominable art had been handed down to certain successors like a malignant invisible spirit murder insinuated itself into the most intimate circles even the closest of those formed by relationship and love and friendship and laid a quick sure grasp upon its unfortunate victims he who was seen one day in the full vigour of health tottered about the next a weak wasting invalid and no skill of the physician could save him from death wealth a lucrative office a beautiful and perhaps too young a wife any of these was sufficient to draw down upon the possessor this persecution unto death the most sacred ties were severed by the cruelest mistrust the husband trembled at his wife the father at his son the sister at the brother the dishes remained untouched and the wine at the dinner which a friend put before his friends and there where formerly jest and mirth had reigned supreme savage glances were now spying about for the masked murderer fathers of families were observed buying provisions in remote districts with uneasy looks and movements and preparing them themselves in the first dirty cookshop they came to since they feared diabolical treachery in their own homes and yet even the greatest and most well-considered precautions were in many cases of no avail in order to put a stop to this iniquitous state of things which continued to gain ground and grow greater day by day the king appointed a special court of justice for the exclusive purpose of inquiring into and punishing these secret crimes this was a so-called chamber ardent which held its sittings not far from the bastille its acting president being la Reigny for a considerable period all his efforts however zealously they were prosecuted remained fruitless it was reserved for the crafty de gray to discover the most secret haunts of the criminals in the faubourg st germain there lived an old woman named voisin who made a regular business of fortune-telling and raising departed spirits and with the help of her confederates le sage and le vigoureux she managed to excite fear and astonishment in the minds of persons who could not be called exactly either weak or credulous but she did more than this a pupil of exili like lacroix she like him concocted the same subtle poison that killed and left no trace behind it and so she helped in this way profligate sons to get early possession of their inheritance and depraved wives to another and younger husband de gray wormed his way into her secret she confessed all the chamber ardent condemned her to be burned alive and the sentence was executed in the place greve amongst her effects was found a list of all the persons who had availed themselves of her assistance and hence it was that not only did execution follow upon execution but grave suspicion fell even upon persons of high position thus it was believed that cardinal bonzy had obtained from la voisin the means of bringing to an untimely end all those persons to whom as archbishop of narbonne he was obliged to pay annuities 
so also the duchesse du boyon and the countess de soissons whose names were found on the list were accused of having had dealings with the diabolical woman and even francois henri de montmorency Beaudebel, duke of luxembourg peer and marshal of the kingdom was not spared he too was prosecuted by the terrible chamber ardente he voluntarily gave himself up to be imprisoned in the bastille where through louvois and la Reynie's hatred he was confined in a cell only six feet long months passed before it was made out satisfactorily that the duke's transgression did not deserve any blame he had once had his horoscope cast by Lassage. it is certain that the president la Reynie was betrayed by his blind zeal into acts of cruelty and arbitrary violence the tribunal acquired the character of an inquisition the most trifling suspicion was sufficient to entail strict incarceration and it was left to chance to establish the innocence of a person accused of a capital crime moreover la Reynie was hideous in appearance and of a malicious temperament so that he soon drew down upon himself the hatred of those whose avenger or protector he was appointed to be the duchesse de boyon being asked by him during her trial if she had seen the devil replied i fancy i can see him at this moment but whilst the blood of the guilty and the suspected alike was flowing in streams in the place greve and after a time the secret poisonings became less and less frequent a new kind of outrage came to light and again filled the city with dismay it seemed as if a band of miscreant robbers were in league together for the purpose of getting into their possession all the jewellery they could no sooner was any valuable ornament purchased than no matter how or where kept it vanished in an inconceivable way but what was still worse any one who ventured to wear jewellery on his person at night was robbed and often murdered even either in the public street or in the dark passage of a house those who escaped with their lives declared that they had been knocked down by a blow on the head which felled them like a lightning flash and that on awaking from their stupor they had found that they had been robbed and were lying in quite a different place from that where they had received the blow all who were murdered some of whom were found nearly every morning lying either in the streets or in the houses had all one and the same fatal wound a dagger thrust in the heart killing according to the judgment of the surgeons so instantaneously and so surely that the victim would drop down like a stone unable to utter a sound who was there at the voluptuous court of louis the fourteenth who was not entangled in some clandestine intrigue and stole to his mistress at a late hour often carrying a valuable present about him the robbers as if they were in league with spirits knew almost exactly when anything of this sort was on foot often the unfortunate did not reach the house where he expected to meet with the reward of his passion often he fell on the threshold nay at the very chamber door of his mistress who was horrified at finding the bloody corpse in vain did argenson the minister of police order the arrest of every person from amongst the populace against whom there was the least suspicion in vain did la Reynie rage and try to extort confessions in vain did they strengthen their watch and their patrols they could not find a trace of the evil-doers the only thing that did to a certain extent avail 
was to take the precaution of going armed to the teeth and have a torch carried before one and yet instances were not wanting in which the servant was annoyed by stones thrown at him whilst at the same moment his master was murdered and robbed it was especially remarkable that in spite of all inquiries in every place where traffic in jewellery was in any way possible not the smallest specimen of the stolen ornaments ever came to light and so in this way also no clue was found which might have been followed de grey was furious that the miscreants should thus baffle all his cunning the quarter of the town in which he happened to be stationed was spared whilst in the others where nobody apprehended any evil these robberies and murders claimed their richest victims de grey hit upon the ruse of making several de grey one after the other so exactly alike in gait posture speech figure and face that the myrmidons of the police themselves did not know which was the real de grey meanwhile at the risk of his own life he used to watch alone in the most secret haunts and lairs of crime and follow at a distance first this man and then that who at his own instance carried some valuable jewellery about his person these men however were not attacked and hence the robbers must be acquainted with this contrivance also de grey absolutely despaired one morning de grey came to president larigny pale and disturbed quite distracted in fact what's the matter what news have you got a clue cried the president oh your excellency began de grey stammering with rage oh your excellency last night not far from the louvre the marquis de la fere was attacked in my presence by heaven then shouted la Reynie, exultant with joy we have them but first listen to me interrupted de grey with a bitter smile and hear how it all came about well then i was standing near the louvre on the watch for these devils who mock me and my heart was on fire with fury then there came a figure close past me without noticing me walking with unsteady steps and looking behind him by the faint moonlight i saw that it was marquis de la fere i was not surprised to see him i knew where he was stealing to but he had not gone more than ten or twelve paces past me when a man started up right out of the earth as it seemed and knocked him down and stooped over him in the sudden surprise and on the impulse of the moment which would else have delivered the murderer into my hands i was thoughtless enough to cry out and i was just bursting out of my hiding-place with a rush intending to throw myself upon him when i got entangled in my mantle and fell down i saw the man hurrying away on the wings of the wind i made haste and picked myself up and ran after him and as i ran i blew my horn from the distance came the answering whistles of the man the streets were all alive there was a rattle of arms and a trampling of horses in all directions here here de grey de grey i shouted till the streets echoed by the bright moonlight i could always see the man in front of me doubling here and there to deceive me we came to the rue niquet's and there his strength appeared to fail him i redoubled my efforts and he only led me by fifteen paces at the most you caught him up you seized him the patrol came up cried la Reynie, his eyes flashing whilst he seized de grey by the arm as though he were the flying murderer fifteen paces continued de grey in a low voice and with difficulty drawing his breath 
fifteen paces from me the man sprang aside into the shade and disappeared through the wall disappeared through the wall are you mad cried la Reynie, taking a couple of steps backwards and striking his hands together end of part nine section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine